everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 199, Paradise Found, recorded April 2nd, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to us. Um, we were gone for a month. We, we took some time off, and uh, we haven't found Paradise, but our last episode was called Paradise Lost, and by international co- podcast law, we were required to name this episode Paradise Found. So that's what that's about. I am your host, Mark, <laughs> the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining me this week, as always, or usual, it's sometime, they're usually here, are Chris, the Command Line Godfather, <laughs> and Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone out there in Internet land. And Mark, I hope you're having a nice, balmy day. I am. Yeah, and you know, we could have gone with maybe searching for paradise and done paradise found if we really wanted to stretch it out. Was that a book? Did Milton write a, a second book called Searching for Paradise? Uh, I I have no idea. Yeah, okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking. There is no purpose to this. Mark, I'm not going to research anything for this show. You should. <laughs> So that would be well, a dangerous precedent. precedent. So, so we took the month off for you know. I told you uh, our last show that I would be working a lot. Uh, I crammed in. Uh, I, I had the numbers at one point. It was something like 162 hours in 10 days. It was it was ragged. Um, and uh, and and then uh, I had family stuff because you know the end of the summer. My my kids were in thing. And then just this weekend, actually, uh, today we got back today. We took a little mini vacation. My kids start school tomorrow. Wow! Uh, very early. Um, the way I mentioned it before, the way my this county does it here in Georgia is they they only have like a uh, six or eight week summer break, and then every six weeks they take a week off. So they get the same amount of time. Oh. They just spread it out, uh, which is kind of nice. We'll get a long fall break in September, and then we'll get you know a break a week at Thanksgiving, and then we'll get the Christmas break, and then a spring break, and then an extra sort of break in there. So it it works out really nicely, unless. You know, I'm fortunate in that I have a a stay at home wife. Uh, otherwise, the childcare nightmare Ooh. of every six weeks having to find somebody to watch a kid for a week uh, has got to be killer. But you know, because it's the way that that this county has done things for a while, the daycares and whatever they're they're set up for it. They have like special memberships you can buy that just get you five weeks. Uh, you buy them up front or whatever. Anyway, all of that to say hey. that. Um, because tomorrow uh, school starts, I took a couple of days off of work uh, last week, and we had a little mini vacation. We uh, had their meet the teacher stuff on Thursday, and we bolted out of town right after that and went to the glorious, um, uh, glamorous, sought-after Huntsville, Alabama. Now, you might wonder why <laughs> Wow, you went to Huntsville? <laughs> to Huntsville, Alabama. And the reason is because the uh, Huntsville, as you may or may not know, is known as Rocket City. It's it's where the uh, the corporation that built most of the Saturn series of rockets and the Gemini rockets is there, and they have a, a rocket and space center. Uh, the Von Braun Museum is there. Von Braun worked out of Huntsville, Alabama. So we went there to get our geek on, and we we spent the day at the. I mean, I got to touch a Saturn V rocket. How many people can say that? Um, probably several million. That's pretty cool. But still, yeah, anybody who's been to Huntsville, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so it, <laughs> um, it, it was just for me. It was a, an amazing experience. I got to see uh, an A13, which was the CIA predecessor to the SR71 Blackbird, uh, essentially a one-seater version of the Blackbird. Um, 
I got to I got to see a Saturn one rocket. I got to see several uh, uh, ju- uh, Jupiter uh, missile engines. I got to see not one but two Saturn five uh, rockets in their full size mammoth glory. Um, I got to see an actual the actual Apollo sixteen capsule. Um, complete with burned out heat shielding and everything. It was, for, for a geek like cool. me, it was a real emotional. I mean, I, I got teary eyed a couple of times. Um, in fact, I was looking at this capsule they have cut, sort of propped up at about a 60 degree angle so that, uh, you know, a dual benefit. You can look in the door and see that there were little guys crammed in there <laughs> for weeks at a time. And two, the heat shielding was just pockmarked and brown. And, 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 and I was telling my kids, you see this model over here that's all painted white? That's what this one used to look like. But now it's brown and black. Why do you think that is? And one of the youngest ones said, because it's old. Well, that's part of it. And the other one said, because it was on fire. <laughs> yes, it was on fire. Um, and I'm looking at this scorched, pockmarked, potholed thing and i commented it's beautiful and my daughter said how could that be beautiful i said because six inches on the other side of that were three men who are still alive or at least were at the time that's what makes it beautiful um so for a guy like me it was amazing and i drug my kids along uh with me <laughs> well that's all right they needed the culture anyway yeah and it was it was great because they we there were tour guides there right there was actually some actual rocket scientists right because like i said the I'm blanking. Marshall uh, Space Center. Marshall was that? I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, the they they're I mean still they're still doing rocket stuff there. We didn't do that part of it, but you can actually take a tour out to the test stands where they tested the Saturn V rockets. And there's the area there. The sand was melted into glass, and these there's these giant patches of glass wow. um, that was made by mel- by the rockets melting. That would be but cool so to see. we're walking through, and I can hear the tour tour guides telling other groups. Of things, the same stuff I'm telling my kids, just because I have studied this stuff, and they're asking questions, and they're asking me like I'm a tour guide, and then other people around me started asking questions because I was speaking. I guess they thought I was a tour guide. No, I'm just a geek who eats and sleeps this space stuff. Um, they also That's have cool though. They have a model of the space shuttle. It was actually early on, very early in the program, when they were first trying to figure out the weight and balance and how to actually ship these things, they built the thing just out of spare parts, literally spare rocket parts and plywood and paint. But it's the same size and shape as a space shuttle. And so they took it and they painted it up uh, like a space shuttle and put it on top of a, a, a real uh, used tank, the big external orange tank, and a couple of mock-up solid rocket boosters. So there's this giant spaceship i mean there's no other way to describe it um there that you can actually walk up to and, and touch and 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 you know it's it's historic in that it, it never went to space but it it was the thing that the first step in getting to space so uh you know i, right. I really had a blast and then the next day we went to uh the they, they call it a safari it was really just a pasture with some animals in it mm-hmm. um and most of the animals were fairly common to me anyway cows and goats and and deer uh, but I recognize that's exotic to some people. They also had a couple. Of, they had some zebras there and some antelope and um, ostriches and emus. And you just it's one of those places you drive through with a bucket of food and then the ostrich comes in and, and pecks it out of your hand until you scream like a little girl. Or maybe that was just me. Um, raise your hand if you've been bitten by an ostrich. I have. Yes. As of yesterday. Um, they give you these little plastic cups. And I stuck the little plastic cup out of the, uh, the uh, sunroof of the van and instead of going for the cup it bit my hand until i let go of the cup and then took the whole cup 
Not well, it knew what it rodeo. wanted. Yeah. If you ever go to one of those places, I, t- I can tell you from experience, go in the morning because they're hungry and they just swarm the vehicles and it's great. So we, we stayed there huh. most of the day. And by noon, they were all just laying down in the shade because they weren't interested. So the people who got there late in the afternoon didn't get nearly the show we did. So if you're planning to go to one of those things, go in the morning. But that was our, that we got our geek on, uh, the science geek one day, and then we got our biology geek on the next day and uh, had a good time. But now I'm happy to be back with you and get my Linux geek on. There you go. Cool. And Mark, awesome. I, I did seek to bring some balance to the force while you were working hard. I was hardly working the last couple of weeks. I got let go from my job. So uh, I had a little mini vacation of my own. <laughs> An unplanned vacation. Yes. So anybody out there who would like to hire Seth, um, he is available. He, he didn't get let go. He uh, he was allowed the opportunity to pursue other avenues. Uh, yeah, not go. a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> and it took him three years to realize that, apparently. Uh. Uh, 25 months yeah okay so. two years yeah uh, close enough <laughs> so uh any of you guys um do anything other than that anything interesting in the month that we were going i started the closing procedure for my house well so that's, that's both exciting and makes you want terrifying to at the same time <laughs> yes yeah um no this is a so far we've had a couple of weird little hiccups here and there with the sellers but um not too bad. We're uh we're hoping to close by the end of the month, and so there might be some times where I'm not available because I have no internet. So, just so a good warning for everybody, um, I may disappear because I have no internet. <laughs> and the uh, company that we get our my network from is a little slow about moving service, so it might not come very quickly. Yeah, well, there that makes your company special in no way at all. They're exactly. All, they're very quick to take your money. They're not actually quick to give you service in the process. So they may. Wow. <laughs> Chris, it sounds like you have an American company <laughs> there in Canada. How I know. Work out? <laughs> you should come up and work for them. We might get better service then. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating how that works. If you miss a payment, they will cut you off in a nanosecond, but yep. in, they will take six weeks while you're feeding them money the whole time to make a change. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm hoping that we can get a a little more, or at least a better, because it's already got the wiring to the house, I'm hoping that the service will be transferred over quicker, because my current service took a month to happen, and it was ridiculous, but they had to run a new line. So I'm hoping, since this one already has a brand spanking new line, that uh, it'll just happen, and I'm, no, I'm hoping and wishing but i i, I gotta be positive so what, what is that saying you you wish in one hand and you do something <laughs> in the other and yeah which one fills up first yep that's, i can't remember that's the thing <laughs> no um i should be closing i'm hoping to close oh maybe next week okay is the idea um we were hoping to close tomorrow but there were some hiccups between appraisal value and what the sellers wanted to have it bought for so we had to go back a couple of times to the drawing board but nothing too terrible it's it's one of those surreal experiences your your bank account will be the biggest it's ever been in your life shortly before you write the biggest check you've ever written in your life so for like eight hours you're like i am rolling in the money and then (laughs) there it all goes away bye 
So yeah, yep. that'll be, uh, that'll be me here in a little bit. It'll be, uh, an interesting time. Let's, that oh, congratulations. Cool. That's, well, you're stepping you. up in the world and becoming a big boy. That's awesome. I'm, beca- I'm, ge- I'm becoming a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized, uh, halfway well i I guess yesterday my times are so messed up because i wasn't at work and i was in a foreign city so it's it's weird it's foreign country of alabama um (laughs) but i realized that i made a huge classic blunder in that i didn't wear my my everyday linux t-shirt to the space and rocket center where my target audience lives right that's exactly the kind of place where you should be a walking billboard um instead I, i took it to the safari and you know that's where you're, you're we're, in a car right i'm in a car and the people who work there are you know north alabama rednecks they don't know what a linux is um so that was a total marketing blunder on my part but we did go to a, a mall later in the evening and i was in this candy store called it's sugar because why not seventh level of hell um <laughs> my, my one because some of the kids wanted ice cream the other kids wanted candy so we divided up the tasks and because my wife hates me she let me go to the candy store um <laughs> it, it was Aww. everything uh, you walk in there and it is blaringly blindingly like need sunglasses bright and there's this stuff coming out of the speakers that allegedly is music um and there's little kids walking around sticking their grubby hands and everything including my own Right, and at some point, I had to just put them on a clock. Like in five minutes, we're walking out of here, whether you've made a purchase or not. Um, <laughs> you actually get away with that, man. My well, kids would have been screaming meanies if I would have tried that trick. I don't care because I do. I walk around, I walk out, and yeah. then when my wallet goes, it doesn't matter how long they stay. Um, so I'm checking out, and the lady behind the counter looks at my shirt and says, "I don't get it." That was the whole statement. I don't get. It. I didn't know what she was talking about. And she said, "Everyday Linux. What is that like? A video game? No, it's it's a podcast. What's a podcast? Um, it's an internet radio show. We do a radio show on the internet. Oh, is it here in in Huntsville? Well, it's it's on the internet, so it's kind of global. You can be anywhere. Oh, cool. Uh, what what channel are you on? Uh, the internet. Um, <laughs> can I just get my stuff and go, please? Um, so yeah, I totally uh I wore the shirt to the wrong place. Definitely wrong wrong place. Yeah. So uh what 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 is what is the thing? What is, you know, what is a a podcast was one of those uh strange experiences. Yeah. I've, I've had that same experience with people who are actual tech people and they still go you're doing a what? Yeah. And I'm like, turn in your geek card, buddy. Yes. Or in, in the Boy Scouts, you had this thing called the totem chip. You had to yes. pass before you, you could carry your a knife. Yeah. And um, and if you did something unsafe with the knife, you had to surrender a corner to your scoutmaster. And if yeah. you lost all four of them, you couldn't bring a, something with sharp edges on the camp out. And so, so you just <laughs> said, hand me your geek card. I got to rip a yeah. corner off. Turn, turn so, in your totem uh, chip. Yeah. I did have one guy at the mall, just random guy, while I was engaged in a conversation with somebody else, say, great shirt. I love it. And I, you know, I didn't have a chance to whip out a business card and say, Hey, check us out. But you know, at least one guy appreciated it. Cool. Um, one and if you want your no own, guys. by the way, Everyday Linux t-shirt, uh, we have our store. Uh, you can get it, uh, go to elementopi.com, click the store link, or go to zazzle.com slash elementopi. They're stupid expensive, and I apologize for that, and I swear to you, I get almost no money. I get, I mean, they made me take some commission. I think it's like 4%. It, it was the lowest they would let me get. 
because I'm not interested in making money. I want walking billboards out there. But uh, if you're a big guy like I am, you're going to end up paying like $48 for the shirt. Sorry. Ouch. It's just the way it goes. Um, but check that's it out. Kinda, that's rough. I, I'll, I'll, I'll like you a lot if you do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all like you a lot if you do, because then maybe we'll not be told that they under, know what we're doing. So a uh, quick story uh, for um, the, my tip of the week. I'm going to get it out early. Um, Uh-oh. I, I took the Roku with me because why wouldn't you? Um, sure. I've got kids, and they can't live without the Disney Channel. If you're watching me on camera and wondering why I'm so spastic, I was telling the guys earlier, nobody's been down here for a month because we haven't done a show. So I walked through this ginormous, massive spider web. It's probably two strands, but in my brain, it was this <laughs> giant man-eating tarantula. And now there are spiders crawling all over every square inch of my body, up my nose, in my eyeballs. They're <laughs> coursing through my bloodstream. So if I'm extra fidgety, it's because of these giant man-eating spiders are going to carry me away. It's the creepiest thing ever, walking through a spider web. <laughs> but anyway, and that is I why took the I still walk through my rooms. <laughs> I took the Roku with me and I plugged it in and I hooked it up to the hotel internet. And we've all, any Roku person or anybody who's ever been in a hotel has had the experience. You got the sign on page, right? Where you got to sign yeah. in. And uh, the room I, I, I was in had complimentary internet, but there's no web browser on the Roku to do that. So what's a guy okay. to do? Well, if you're a guy who happens to be a geek like me and happens to carry a rooted Android phone, you go to the Android App Store, grab the first Mac address changer you can find, copy down the Mac of the Roku, cone your phone to it, sign on to the thing, and then change your Mac address back, and boom, you're Rokuing with the best of them. Nice. Sweet. You <laughs> so, hacker, you. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got kids in the other room chanting, frozen, frozen, frozen. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? I had to figure out something. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, and it was, it took, I don't know. The longest, the thing that took the longest was finding the MAC address uh, on the Roku. And it's not hard. You just go to settings and network, and there it is. But I, I'd never looked there, so I had to find it. But the actual changing of the MAC address, because I already have a pre-rooted Android phone, was a piece of cake. The thing you have to remember is to unplug the Roku, because you can't have two MAC addresses on the same network. or the, right. You can't have duplicates. Um, and then you sign on. Then you change it back, and you plug the Roku in, and it just works. And the hotel I was at, you had to resync every 24 hours. So I had to do that three times right. while I was there, but no big deal. So there you go. Yeah. If you're traveling with a Roku, that's how you beat that, that sign on page. That's a pretty good way of doing it. That is, I'm impressed, sir. I will, I will tip my hat to your quick wittedness. Yes. And then the kids, while I was doing that, said, Oh, we've got the Discovery Channel or Disney Channel on the TV. We don't need it anymore. So. <laughs> But yeah. that's all right. You still get a tip out of it. That's right. Yeah, and you're ready for next time. So. That's right. I know how to do it. And you'll only take a well, you know, Mark, next time. I decided to do something with uh, my spare time. I figure, you know, I co-host a uh, Linux podcast, so maybe I should see about making Linux my everyday computer thing. So I decided, I spent the longest time, I decided, hey, I'm going to install Fedora, and then I'm going to go through the edX course. and um so it's a little bit harder to install updates whenever you uh, have Fedora. You can't just do sudo. You have to do su first because otherwise yep. you get a – your yep. user account is not in the sudoers file. This incident <laughs> will be reported. And then you yep. Google how to fix it, and it says sudo. And I'm like, 
but that's the problem. Yeah. And, and so I had to just know. Google yeah. a little bit more. And, uh, so, you know, that, that's the first thing I came up with as I begun my Linux journey in greater detail. Well, with Fedora, you could actually log on as root. You have that yeah. option. Um, right. Well, yeah, that. I could have, but you know, I just, that is something a, a somebody who just installed Fedora and is trying to run updates, you know, right. um, would run into. So I'm, I'm trying to just do the kind of the normal thing and learn as I go. I figure, you know, that's, that's a good way to do it. So, cause you're not supposed to run as root, Mark. That's not a good security principle. Well, I didn't say so, run as root. I said log on as root for a specific task. That's what root is for. Yeah. Right. I remember well, the old. Technically, uh, you're logging into root when you do the su command. So, yeah. So su is faster. I think it was the old, now defunct Mandrake Linux, where you log in as root, and the the background, the wallpaper was a bomb exploding. Yep. To let you know, don't do this. This is danger, Will Robinson. Um, Fedora used to do it too. There for a while, they were doing it as well, and I always had to laugh whenever I would log into as root and see the bomb wallpaper and be like. Yeah. That's right. I'm going to blow stuff up. <laughs> I recently updated my Mint laptop to the latest at 17.2, I think it is. And it was a total non-event, by the way. So uh, Mint still, hands down, the most grandma-approved distro as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I got a little notification. Hey, there's a new version. I clicked it. Made me type in my password. It did its thing. No reboots. No, well, I think I did reboot at the end when it was all over. But no, you know, sequentially reboots. No downloading extra repository stuff. No apt slash dist upgrade. None of that. I just clicked the button. Um, that works. Go mint. Sweet. I'm I'm currently favoring of Corora at the moment. They've uh, they've got my heart. So Fedora is is the back end, but I'm still loving the Corora. Okay. And Seth, I missed it um, because I was out, but uh, Sharknado 3? Oh, my gosh. Sharknado 3 is the most excellent, <laughs> cheesy fest of a movie ever made. It took, it took the cheesiness of the first one and multiply it by an inverse reciprocal of the cheesiness of the second one. And it was just, I mean, it had David wow. Hasselhoff in it. Come on. Uh, and then there's going to be a Sharknado 4 at the, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I voted that the person die. So if you watch the movie, we want that person to die. Um, and, and they're going to write, you know, at the end of the movie, it's like you can, you cast your vote. You can either tweet or you can log on to their website if this character lives or dies. And then that event is going to be in four. And so, the amazing uh, thing about Sharknado movies is, is the crappy production quality they do. They can make that decision the day before it comes out and it'll be yeah, fine. They Pretty probably much. already wrapped shooting actually. So, um, but <laughs> dude, it was, it was the. <laughs> I mean, there's sharks in space. Uh, <laughs> really? All right. Oh now my I gosh, have to watch you have it. Have to watch lightsaber chainsaws. Um, and of course, David uh, Hasselhoff. So, is there is, really anything else for greatness? Is it on Netflix yet? I'm sure it will be soon if it's not already. Yeah, no, I'm. I don't know, but you know, the first movie was just cheesy. The second one was a little dumb. Um, it was still fun, but it wasn't quite as cheesy. But the third one, they like learned their lesson from the second one and went over the top cheese fest. And it was just awesome. It was awesome. It, it, if you loved Sharknado, 
you will love this one person was you know i i put some facebook statuses up while it was on and this other person was like i'm dvr and i should just said you'll hate them just don't just get off my feed let me enjoy my uh, cheesy shark love fest and uh so, but cool. I love Sharknado 3. I can't wait for 4. And then I know there oh, the, will be a rift By the way, it's on the Sci-Fi Channel website, com. You can watch it online right now if you want to. Yeah. And I know that next year there will be a rift track for Sharknado 3, and I will go see that because I saw the rift track for Sharknado 2. It, yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff. I, I love it. It's awesome. So I was watching uh, or talking about Sharknado to somebody, and, and it was like, there's a third one? Really? I said, well, the first one was just another cheesy knockoff just to get a movie out. The second one, they realized they were onto something with the first one and really honed in on famous cameo people dying. And then the third one is just pulling out all the stops and being stupid for the sake of being stupid. Uh, is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, um, definitely. The second one wasn't quite as good. Second one, like the first one was good. The second one started to look like if they were ever to make a Matrix sequel, how it might turn out. But the third one, it's like it blew it off. It blew the top off. It was it was great. It's a shame they never made any sequels to that movie. It was such a good movie. I know it was. Um, and I can't give you too much time on this, but Dragon Ball Z the movie. Really? Yeah, it, it comes out this week, limited theater release in the United States, and I, I bought my tickets when I had a oh job, people, so um, I bought them in advance. And, uh, so, you yeah, bought I'm going an to advanced see ticket screen. viewing of Dragon Ball Z the movie? Yeah, there was like two seats left in the theater whenever I <laughs> logged on, so I bought one of them. Um, you and a bunch of 13-year-old boys, that's what's going to be in the theater. You know, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's Dragon Ball Z, man. Get off the Dragon Ball Z. I seriously, I know nothing about it other than it's. I I aged out of it years ago, or at least uh, I felt that I did. Yeah, well, you can never, you know, you can I, never age out of Dragon boy Ball. In me, so. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to some listener feedback. We only had a couple, I guess, uh, when we went uh, away on vacation. Our, our listeners did too. Uh, but Matt comments on God Machines that we sort of talked about uh, earlier. He said, hi, gents. Listening to episode 198, that was just the last one we did, uh, and your discussion about the Internet as utopia is really solid. Uh, I think it was Seth that pointed out that machines are just tools and therefore morally neutral. That's right, and here's one reason that I think free Libra open source software is important and in that it encourages users to interact with these machines as tools and not as magical devices, which is how Apple especially seems to want their users to envision their products. Understanding machines as tools invites us to use them in ways which we are in control and which we accept limitations on what is possible and find new problems to be solved, limitations to overcome. It puts the user in charge and actually emphasizes his humanity and his human agency. Now, hopefully I didn't come off sounding like Stallman there. I think the dude is a nut who makes all <laughs> floss devotees look like neckbeards who don't understand how people have to live and eat. Another quick point, a lot of the stuff you're saying about creating a God machine, a God machine that will prevent us from doing destructive things resulting uh, from our uses or abuses of technology, is the exact plot of an Orson Scott card series from the early 90s. I don't remember the name of the series, but the first book is called The Memory of Earth. In it, humans uh, are humans destroy 
destroyed Earth and we found a new planet to colonize. We built a supercomputer called the Oversoul that controls our thoughts and keeps us from developing military and fast travel technologies. Though we did develop other technologies, for example, biotech, medicine, data retrieval, etc. on our new planet. We forget the Oversoul is a computer and start worshiping it as a god. It's really good and speaks to a lot of things y'all talked about in episode 198. Cheers and thanks for the great show, Matt. So based on your con- your recommendation, Matt, that is in my Netflix, or excuse me, um, Audible uh, wish list as as we speak. So we'll check it out. Uh, Orson Scott Card knows how to write a story. He doesn't necessarily know how to continue a story. Um, I will complain about the Enderverse uh, to anybody who will listen and that it started well. Uh, actually, all of them started well. The Ender started uh, well. The Bean story started well, and they all just kind of faded off. Like, uh, they keep writing me checks, so I got to keep writing books. And so we'll see if the memory of the Earth is the same way. And it's the Homecoming Saga is the name. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll we'll get back to you, but uh, guys, while we're on the subject, you guys uh, read anything re- uh, good recently, or listened to, as as the case may be. I have a couple that I've been listening to. Let me go grab the titles from them really quick. Uh, and while he's looking, I started one. Um, it was, I believe, it was called Arisen. It, there's like an it's up to eight books, and then there's a prequel. But I bought the first omnibus. It's like a uh, a zombie kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm all the fiction seems to be zombie that I'm running across, but it's, uh, so it was very similar to the black tide rising, but I don't think it was quite as well written. So, um, I'll probably buy the next omnibus when they put it out, but based on your recommendation, Seth, which I've come to trust as being somewhat suspect over the years, uh, I listened to, uh, the, uh, the John Ringo Troy series, uh, uh-huh. uh, and loved them really enjoyed, uh, 2.75 of the of the three books um the third one really just started to fall apart toward the end uh as you warned me it would it would do uh but really the the first two are are outstanding and you're it's it's you can drag yourself through the end of the third one so if you're looking for uh you know a 30 hour or so listen uh on audible i recommend that and then i listened to um killer angels it was the book that the the tbs miniseries gettysburg was made out of okay. Um, and I, I know that history. I've studied it really well. I know the characters. Still, the it is so well done. This book was written in the 70s, um, but it was written so well and, and voiced so well on the Audible book. I'm sitting in traffic, bawling as Pickett made his charge up the hill, snot running down my nose, <laughs> in my tie, on my way to work. I mean, it was, it was really uh, just moving and engaging, uh, brought these historical characters to life in a way that no other work I've read. Yeah, so I highly recommend it. You got to cool. get through some really stilted beginnings as he sets out the chess pieces. But uh, toward the end there, yeah, I, I was hooked. And, you know, I, I really, I was waiting for Gettysburg, the sequel. Um, it hasn't come <laughs> out yet, though. You, you know, if you if you like really world, uh, Civil War stuff, there is an alternative history novel called Bring the Jubilee that was actually pretty good. So you might take a see if that's available on Audible. It was kind of a short book, so I and it's kind of old. It came out in the fifties, but really good. So, and the one I'm going to bring up is called "The Fold" by Peter Kleins. Um, okay, definitely, it's got a. It's kind of a high sci-fi, not hard sci-fi, but it has a lot of. There's a lot of techno jargon that's in this book um, about. F- well, 
I'm trying to think how not to explain this one, but, um, it's a pretty good book. It's only about 10 hours, uh, deals with portals. I'll just leave it at that because portals are awesome. It's a little hard to understand for some of it because it's, you know, one of the the things they talk about in the first couple of chapters is that one of the guys who has instant recall, so he can bring anything back up. Um, little far-fetched for my, when I was reading it or listening to it, and it took me a second or two to get through it, but then it was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that as a possibility. Let's continue with the story. So, um, definitely a good one. Uh, that and, just because it was a fun little book and I got it really cheap, the the Never Hero, the Chronicles of Jonathan Tibbs, uh, definitely a good good little book. It's kind of cheesy and it was one of those turn your brain off because you have to forget about everything to to listen to it, but it's still a pretty good book. All right, that unsolicited book review there, um, that. I got to get the plug in, uh, dot com slash, um, audible. Uh, your first book is free. I get a kickback. If you do it, check it out. If you commute, it's a no brainer. Yep. I mean, if you're a podcast listener and you find yourself burning through podcasts and you just can't keep up, check into audible. It's, uh, it's 15 to 30, depending on how much you do a dollars a month. Well spent. Uh, just, just do it. Yeah. I ended up, I ended up moving mine to the two dollar or two books a month because I just my podcast cash wasn't enough to make it through the month plus the book, so I needed one more ten. I needed one more week to be covered, and now I got it. Yeah, I'm probably going to be moving to the three book a month uh, thing before long because I'm just I'm burning through them too fast. My wife, you know, I, I at night, you know, as I'm brushing my teeth and whatever, I have my book going, and and she'll come in, uh, into the bedroom like what. Which one is that? Oh, this one is called The Hot Gate. It's the second in the Troy Rising series. Weren't you just listening to a Civil War one yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand yep. your question. Yes, I was. Do you guys mix your books but just by chance? Do you guys start one and then kick it over to, and then like, oh, I'm tired of this for right now and start another one? Never. No. No? Okay. You, you put down a book before you finish it, Chris? I don't understand. I do occasionally. There'll be times where I just, it's, it gets too deep. And I need to, I need a palate cleanser type thing. No, I, uh, I am, you know, people will binge watch a Netflix series. I will binge read a book like the dead arisen omnibus. I started it at like eight o'clock and then I finished the first book and I finished the second book and it was like four 30 and I had like 50 pages left to finish the whole <laughs> thing. So I was just like, eh, I'll already, I'll just go ahead and stay up and finish it. So uh, it's not like I have work the next day. So. Yeah, I went on my vacation. I'm like that with books. I'll I'll go down to the the library and end up walking out with ten books and have them gone in a week. So I know where you're at there, Seth. But man, I just can't do it with audiobooks. I, I I can't binge watch or binge listen to books that in the same author's pool because then it start. I just I could start you know predicting where it's going to go and then I, I, it takes me out of the book. So but whenever possible, I like to do a whole series. Uh, straight back to back, like the like, like the Interverse. I did what was it thirteen books there straight without anything in between. Um, yeah, I couldn't do mo- that. I've, there aren't there. Are, I'm not going to say there aren't a lot of big series like that anymore. I'm constant. I'm consciously not choosing really big series like that, and I'm starting to go. I try to alternate fiction, nonfiction, uh, historical fiction is kind of a uh, you know a um um 
hard to pick there because it's fictional. It's fictional dialogue, but all the events are real. So where do you put that? Um, but just just to keep myself well balanced because I can tend to go. I, you know, I become I become the guy, the stereotypical guy, right? If I get sucked into that world too deep, uh, I have to have something grounded to bring me back so that's i don't do all science right i i've i've done i've read physics books i've read uh you know that, that sort of stuff but then i have to bring it back down and i have to do something like you know a civil war book or something like a, a cookbook uh because i i can go down that rabbit hole and i recognize that uh addictive nature in myself and so i i, I intentionally uh don't go too deep i i like what seth is talking about reading you know the 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 entire eight books uh, in a sitting i i would become a different human being if i did that and i don't like that person that i would become yeah that's so where I i'm at do that. i i get to i'm that that i get yeah i'll fall down a rabbit hole to the point where i've gone three or four days down a rabbit hole and not realizing that the, the sun has set and risen a few times between the fact that i pulled away from what i was working on so i i do that on problems in general and books are just as bad so i have to make sure i have a start and stop and that that's that's my that's my period where i can be in anything more and i start to become a jerk or other colorful languages that my wife likes to use all right moving right along to other colorful language nige comments on predictive computing it says in episode 196 you were discussing how computers are close to the point of telling you what you need before you even ask the question in a way that's already happening in some of the latest military aircrafts have stress and temperature sensors all over their airframes in the engines and even some of the electric uh, electronic units looking uh, through looking at the fatigue of maintenance history of all the instances of a given item in a large fleet of aircraft it's possible to establish what use cases lead to early failure and approximate Win. Armed with this information, the military now use predictive analysis to tell engineers that a particular part on a particular point is likely to fail during, say, the next 10 flying hours as a result of how the aircraft has been used since its last major overhaul. This means the part can be replaced at a time of convenience instead of having the to instead of having to ground the plane unexpectedly for unscheduled maintenance and save huge amounts of money. Cool. You know, a much less complex example of that is my minivan that has a, a debris sensor in the oil. I don't change the oil every 3,000 miles. I change it when the light comes on and says you need an oil change. Um, those, you know, those sort of real-time metrics are amazing. But, yeah, you look at a, a huge fleet like that, of course you can gather that kind of data. Yeah. Anytime it's you, both cool and scary. Anytime you have large data points like that, you'd be able to do just about anything with it. So it, it's cool. I'm glad it's there. I wish there were more things like it. Sometimes, you know, uh, I forget the article. It was uh, the the newspaper was written in, but there was a major grocery store chain that, through the loyalty program, is able to predict predict things like pregnancies based on women's buying habits before sometimes they even know they're pregnant. Oh, uh, interesting. Or, yeah, you know, or Google can predict a flu outbreak before before it the medicine the the doctors get because the patients know they're sick before they go to the doctor. So based on the searches. Uh, mm -hmm. They could do so. Yeah, that kind of data. Once you amass that kind of data, you can do amazing things and literally know things before humans do. It's crazy how that all works too. I was talking to some people about it, and in my field, and they were like, "Yeah, we can do that with, you know, the, the giant drilling rigs. They, they they have a these huge these huge things where they just go, yeah, that needs to go now before it even happens.' So. It's so crazy. last night we're standing at this mall in this strange city, 
Um, and my kids and, and my wife and I are trying to decide where to eat. It's eight o'clock on a Friday, on a Saturday night. Um, and of course, everything's got a line. So we go to this place. We, we had a big family debate about what we wanted to eat. And then when we got there, we found out the wait was an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, that's just stupid. So <laughs> we go hurts. to one of the directories and I pull out my phone and say, go say, okay, Google call Bravo. That's all I said. All right. It knows where I am. It knows the directory of the mall as well as I do. It knows what Bravo is. It knows Bravo's phone number. So it calls it. And then I say, what's your wait? 45 minutes. Thank you. And I, okay, Google, call uh, whatever the next store was. And it, so that's what we did. We just, I went down the list oh, saying, wow. okay, Google, call in the name of the place until I found a wait that was 10 minutes. And that's where we ate. So I've that's, never tried that's, that. That's the future. We're living in the future. <laughs> I have something to try now when I go see my brother for uh, his wedding. It's amazing. I mean, we, we were finished today. We, we were ready to go home. Okay, Google, take me home. Navigating to. That was it. That yep. was my statement. Those, those words. Um, but it, situational awareness, machines are way better at it than we are. My, my, uh, my six-year-old asked me today, does Google know where we are? I said, within about three feet. Yes. Um, so three feet behind us or three feet in front of us? Well, within a range of three feet. Yeah, circle. It may be behind. It may be uh, in front of. It may be left. It could be above or below us. It may think we're underground by three feet. But within about three feet, Google knows where we are. And then my middle child was like, so the government could track you? Of course, I said. That's why they gave us phones. Didn't you know the CIA invented the, the Apple iPhone? <laughs> and she, she knows me well enough at this point. She caught me a sideways glance. And I said, Believe it or not, people actually think that's true. She said, like, Grandma? Well, I'm not going to go into what my grandma believes or what your grandma <laughs> believes, but uh, there are people who think that's true. Yeah, and there's there's so many of them that it's almost kind of spooky. Well, And it's completely plausible because they could do that. Oh, yeah. If they have the fire hose, as we know the NSA does, thanks to Edward Snowden, they could track my movements to within three feet every day of my life, know what phone calls I've made, know what Internet searches I've done, they they have that information, um, you know, it, but it's in that case, the big data is, is a good thing because I just get lost in the crowd. Right. Uh, but if they decide I'm a pe- person of interest in something and the proper warrants are filed, I have no problem with them accessing that data as long as they follow the proper legal recourse. The right. Governments is, are well known for following the right. proper legal recourse. So you're, you know, there's no right. reason to fear people. The issue is that what, no, what Snowden showed us was that they're not. They're not right. following the law, their own laws. And that's the problem. So we don't need to get mad about the fact that people have this much information when you get mad about the fact that they're not following their own rules. And, you know, when they don't follow their own rules, then it's just not fair. Then we should encrypt everything. Encrypt it all. <laughs> yeah. But we should give them the passkey. Oh, gosh. Uh, sure. No. And that won't, that won't break encryption. Of course not. There's a safe way no. to give the government a backdoor. No, there isn't, you moron. Yeah, because it's not a backdoor, Mark. It's a golden key. It's not a backdoor. Just listen to him. Listen to Whit Diffie, the guy who pretty much wrote the the encryption we have today when he says, it's not possible. I'm not grandstanding. I'm telling you, it's not possible. All right, I'm I'm done with that. Uh, Are Um, we done with the high Let's talk about some news. (laughs) (laughs) Windows 10, I have a laptop in my house right now that is just waiting to get Windows 10. Because... Why would I want to stay with Windows 8? So uh, I've clicked a little button, and at some point in the next amount of time, 
Windows 10 is going to magically come to it. Uh, but as, as some as some people have found out, there's some kind of scary sharing features in Windows 10. Yeah, um, this is a story from Tom's Guide, a pretty respectable hardware and news site on the internet that talks about how um, Windows 10, and again, this is the tyranny of the default. You can turn it off, but you have to know it's there and what it does to be able to opt out of it. Um, if it will share, like, f- if you are Skype uh, friends or Outlook.com friends or Facebook friends, um, it will share any computer network that you have the password to it will share that with all of your friends so this could be very bad in like an IT or a you know a business network where somebody's has personal stuff on their business phone and we know that some people and by some people we mean everyone who has a corporate phone puts personal stuff on it you know Anyway, it just happens. And so you have to know to opt out. Otherwise, people in your contact list will be able. Now, it says they don't get the password, but they get an encrypted version of the password, which if you have the hash and you know the um, the standard that did it, you should be able to figure it out. But, right. you know, that's nobody mentioned that. So yeah, uh, that's the thing. If your computer can decrypt it, the user of the computer can decrypt it. Right. Yep. So it's not yeah. useful without being able to be decrypted at some point. Right. So that means that bad actors have the tools. You know, the same way the DVD decryption was useless because the both the key and the the lock were on the same device. That's the way it is here in, in Windows. The key and the lock are on the on the same device. And how how does how does Windows get access to Facebook? Remember a while back when Facebook said they were going to start using Skype for Facebook chat? Yeah, yeah, that's how they can do that. Yeah, it was Jeez. just you know I hadn't heard about this, but it's called Wi-Fi Sense. So if you have Windows ten, uh, go in and disable Wi-Fi Sense. Um, and and uh, let's let it, me be honest, I'm not super scared about the fact that people in range of my um, access point who already have a relationship with me can access my Wi-Fi. I'm actually not bothered by that even a little bit. Um, my yeah, my my Skype buddies, my my Facebook buddies, they are people that I know and trust already because right. I've curated my list that way. Not everybody has, um, and it only comes into play if they um, are in my neighborhood and and Microsoft promises that it's going to be an encrypted tunnel so that they can't see other devices. I mean, that's a setting almost all router uh, Wi-Fi routers have now. You check the box and For every guests. computer, every connection is is siloed. Yep. In fact, you know, the hotels uh, do that. The reason I couldn't use my Roku remote app on my Roku at the uh, hotel was because they had that box checked. So the overall security implications of this don't bother me too much. Weak passwords are what bother me. And and the knowing that people are going to choose the same password for their email and their Wi-Fi and their ATM bothers me. It's the fact that yeah. all the, now you have access to somebody's passwords. And if I use the same password everywhere and don't tell me that nobody does, uh, that's where I'm scared. And that's why this is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. I want to know how it actually got passed. You know, there had to have been somebody somewhere who went, you know, this is probably not a good idea. Why didn't they listen to that person? Hey, Chris, you you voiced disagreement, and you got in trouble. (laughs) I mean, remember? You did your job, and you you said this process is broken, and they said, we don't want to hear that. 
<laughs> touche. Touche, sir. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that, you know, the company where I work now would ever do that, but I have been in places in the past where the messenger was shot on a regular basis. So there perhaps there's a string of guys on LinkedIn right now who did say it was a bad idea and now they're looking for a new job. Uh, yep. Just say no. I that's the thing. See, this is a this is a good idea. I like the idea of being able to easily share my password with people. I like the idea of because I liked a restaurant on Facebook, I can now use that restaurant's encrypted Wi-Fi uh, safely and at their uh, discretion, right? Instead of them having to say, ask your waiter for the Wi-Fi password. Th- the idea is solid. The implementation, because it's secret, is scary. Yeah. Um, and there's no way, they have made no effort, at least that I've seen, to allay anybody's fears about this and say that, that you know, it's it's they, they do say it's hashed. So? I thought it was originally um, you know, going to be disabled by default, and you had to turn it on. Yeah, that was the maybe original. so, maybe in the developer versions. But what's that's rolling out right now? Ba- yeah, that's only the beta to get people to be okay with it. It yeah. was that way in the beta, but you know. Well, that's why I. Anyway. That's why I, I wasn't worried about it on my wife's machine because she's upgrade. She did the in-place upgrade to Windows 10 uh, yesterday. Um, very impressed, by the way, by how that worked. Uh, but. My son's computer and the one I use for gaming, mm-mm, bad. <laughs> well, the thing I'll probably turn it on. It's useful uh, for right me because I have I have a a strong password that is not related to anything else on my Wi-Fi. So for me, it's useful. But that's the fact that I am because I have done due diligence with my passwords. I feel more safe about it. And I know that not everybody does. Right. Right. Speaking of not everybody, uh, the there's an entire city in New York that is making regular ransom payments because they didn't do their due diligence. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, this story came to us from Rick. He uh, contributed this, and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, New York auditors say that an upstate village, and they don't mention the one, made ransom payments of 300 and $500 last year to keep its computers running after two official-looking emails released malware throughout its system. And then there's other reports of other agencies around the country. They've also done that. So, you know, one, hopefully you have your data backed up so you're just out the time to restore. But, you know, otherwise, that's your tax dollars at work. Yep. So, um, you know, we're supporting the criminals. So, yay, Enterprise. And and this is... I'm almost I'm almost willing to give a pass to the guy who clicked on the initial email. Um because everyone the, does the it. problem is right the problem is that the systems there there were no backups. If they had made backups, solid backups, off-site backups, encrypted backups, th- there you would never need to pay uh, a, a ransom for anything. So this is a this falls squarely on the IT to pe- uh, IT department supporting this uh, municipality. They didn't do the job. Part of it depends on the nature of the backups because, and depending on which flavor of uh, cryptoware it was, um, you know, if there's any network shares and some people, you know, and then, so you, you overwrite those machines and 
even if you have encrypted your backup, if that encryption gets encrypted, yeah, you don't have to worry about somebody using it, but you still can't access it. You have to break the other encryption first to that's use. what i'm saying you need you there the problem there is that they still had a connected backup yep yeah the 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 only good backup is disconnected um and you know and is is episodic right so when i connect to make a new backup they they can't corrupt my old backup because my old backup's offline and i'm making a or new it backup. should be offline well i'm telling you it is yeah. in my world <laughs> um and that's you know that's the way it that that it has to be uh and just a simple service like you know carbonite right that you have to go through their app to do it um would would have fixed would have mitigated this problem um, quite instantly you know when you you know that's an instant fix there yeah yeah and if it's if it was just the machine that was encrypted what IT department doesn't tell you if it's important it belongs on the network you know, True. that was, that's a policy at the companies I've worked on. You know, if it's on your computer, we'll put forth a little effort to get it. But if it's important, it doesn't belong on your computer. So yeah, you know, I mean, this is one good, good security practices and good backup practices won't prevent you from getting hit with crypto, um, viruses, but it will make them just a nuisance and recoverable versus you know earth shattering you've lost information permanently you might have lost the day's information or something but good backup practices and again you know we don't know how rich or poor the place was maybe you know maybe they tried to restore the backup and found it was corrupted that's something that happens far too regularly in IT circles, I um, can speak to that with perfect yeah. personal experience. I, I found out my backup wasn't working the day I needed it. So yep. yeah, I get that it happens. So that's but that so, falls yeah, on the, know, the IT department to test their backups, absolutely. and if they're not testing their backups, then they're not doing their job. Black yep. and white. So anyway, I you know this story right here is just pretty much to remind you um, of using good practices and common sense. You know, and don't just well I put it on the computer so it's good forever. Uh, like common sense work. would say that you shouldn't put a brain in a rifle. That seems like common sense to me, because if you do, said rifle can be taken over by other people. <laughs> yeah, we talked. Um, I, I, it might have been year before. It might have been last year or earlier this year about you know they were have a version of Linux to run the rifle and it will do things like calculate the um, the wind and you know elevation all that kind of stuff and basically with the um with the software the smart rifle a chance of hitting a target with the first shot is 70 percent whereas a normal a normally trained sniper which is a pretty elite specialization their average is like 30 percent but um these people bought one of these rifles and they kind of they kind of tore into it and you know use an e-reader to and see what they could exploit and if they can get into Wi-Fi range, they can shut down the rifle, even going so far as to make it unfireable. So, um, you know, they could put bad targeting parameters in there where it doesn't hit or, you know, like I say, cause the rival not, rifle not to work. And if you're in a situation where your gun needs to fire and all of a sudden it gets hacked and can't fire, then you're really in trouble. So, you know. Anyway, it was just an interesting story that, you know, hey, there's, there's security flaws in everything, even in rifles. 
So, and, you know, it's the article says that these people bought two $13,000 rifles and spent a year working on them. So these people were well-financed and dedicated. And fortunately, the U.S. doesn't have any enemies that are both well-financed and oh, dedicated. Yeah. So yeah. we're in good shape. <laughs> yeah, we're perfectly well-secure. So fringe element. <sighs> <laughs> so um, anybody, who knows what CUPS is? Yep. Um, you, you have to be of a certain age and of a certain um, um, gray beardedness to know what cups is. But uh, like like many things, the old is becoming new again. The good old fashioned uh, common Unix printing system is being useful for 3D printing. Very cool. Yeah, what I did not realize that Apple was involved in cups. So that was something I learned. Uh, reading this article, but yes, uh, cups 2.1 release candidate one. So we're in the 2.0 world. Yay. Go cups. Um, they, um, they, of course, you know, lots of bug fixes, but they provide support now for a 3d printer. So if you've just got to have a 3d printer for your version of Linux, whatever, you know, have no fear. You can at least get basic functionality of it with cups. If you, if you run the new system. Hmm. And, you know, I said who knows what CUPS is. The fact is most people don't because, you know, the the ease of use of, of Linux has come so far in, in the last several years that you don't need to. There's the, the – you go to the control panel and you click on printers. Right. And you don't need to know what a print cap file is. You don't know what CUPS uh, – need to know what CUPS is. You don't need to know how to fire up that daemon and get it running. None of these things matter, uh, which is amazing. Uh, but if you're not an end user and you're looking to be a professional, you're going to need somebody to show you how to run these things. And that's where our good friends at the Linux Academy come in, where they will teach you, take you from being a regular guy to being a Linux guru by the way of their step-by-step video courses uh, designed for that specific purpose. And we've talked about Linux Academy many times. We're happy to have them back for as a sponsor uh, in the month of August. But they have some... I, I, I'm going to run through the basics. You know this stuff. I don't feel the need to spend a lot of time on it. Step-by-step video courses created by industry professionals in the field who are really good at what they do, uh, who have, who are, uh, every day increasing their content. It's being, it's third-party vetted content. It's being, it's other people who are experts in the field have said these people are solid. It's not just the videos though. It's, it's PDF study guides that are, that are timed with the videos. It's this amazing lab platform where you can run up to four things simultaneously interacting with each other and interacting in the world, real world um, it's it's their 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 community behind the scenes the forums and the instructors all the great stuff but let me tell you about some of the new things uh, they've released their first open stack certification prep course so cool. they're moving beyond Linux um, and they have their own open stack lab so you can fire up an open stack server in less than 10 seconds uh, they've got a, a, a SQL primer and a postgres SQL PostgreSQL, I never knew how to say that, uh, administration <laughs> courses. Uh, they've been working over the summer, and they've got some great new things coming up, and, and, and they'll let us know. You will be the first to hear about it here uh, on the Linux, uh, what's the name of the show? Every <laughs> Linux show. Also, they're going to the Texas Linux Fest. So any of you guys out there in Texas, it's always in Austin um, in the summer. Uh, Linux Academy is going to be there, and uh, there'll be a, a little extra specialness uh, if you show up in in uh, person. But the, the, what I wanted to say about that is they're moving beyond Linux. Linux is great. Linux is a base, but Linux in itself is just a is a, a step. A foundation, and just like the Linux Academy built a firm foundation on teaching you Linux, now they're teaching you what you can do with Linux. They're teaching you Amazon Web Services. They're teaching you OpenStack. They're teaching you SQL. 
Anthony and his team are high quality uh, people producing high quality content, and we're happy to have them. And all of this starts at twenty five bucks a month. That, in fact, that's the most you'll pay twenty five dollars a month. If you buy like anything else, the more you buy, the less you pay. If you buy a quarter, three months, sixty five dollars. Or if you if you want to plunk down your your change and say uh, I'm going to do this for a full year, two hundred fifteen dollars, which breaks out to you know less than uh, eighteen dollars a month. So check them out, linuxacademy.com slash everydaylinux. And if you use that URL, you'll get a special price. Cool. And um, my last rep interviews before I got the job I had, um, you know, he interviewed me for the Linux positions and I didn't quite know enough to get them, but cups actually came up and, uh, you know, and it's like, I don't know how to use them, but I know the answer you're looking for is cups, but that's retarded. Nobody uses that to print Linux anymore. And he's like, Oh, well, you said the magic word. So you get a check mark for that one. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, just because you can do most everything, um, you know, sometimes it's nice to know, um, just like even in windows, you know, there's three or four or five or six or 17 different ways to do the exact same thing. Um, you got to know the way they're looking for it. And Linux Academy is great for that. Check them out. And, you know, as, as they used to say about the men, uh, hair club for men, I'm not only a customer, I'm a, wait, I'm not only an owner, I'm a customer. There was really, there was something witty and pithy in there and it just went away. Um, I'm rusty. Give me a break. It's been a month. Uh, LinuxAcademy.com. Yeah. Check them out. You know what else you should check out? The Windows 10 is now installed on 67 million PCs and growing. That's a lot of yeah, PCs. Yeah, that was just, um, yeah, they said they hit a maximum bandwidth of 15 terabytes a second, which beat the uh, record of Apple's 8 terabytes during their last OS push. So it seems like a lot of people are getting Windows 10. So A lot you know, of people hate Windows 8. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep. You know, Windows 8 or 8.1 with the classic shell works great. So Mostly. That's true. Once you add on something else, it's pretty darn good. I could say yep. the same thing about Vista. Vista eventually became a pretty solid thing. Uh, and I hope we're not saying that about a Windows 10. But, you know, <laughs> you can't really judge this by demand when Microsoft is literally forcing it down the throat of anybody who's on a Windows 7 or Windows yeah, 8 box. They're pretty much. Um, you have to, you have to tell them, no, don't give me this. Uh, so now they're coming out numbers saying we're shoving down 15 terabits per second, uh, terabytes per second. Yeah, but you're not giving people the option of not taking it. Right. You know, it's 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 one of those situations where both sides can claim a win, much like the new egg uh, controversy where both sides can claim a win on the uh, patent tra- uh, okay. lawsuit. Yeah. Um, new egg, you know, they actually had a sell because they won the um, the patent litigation. They were sued because basically here's the deal. Um, th- this is a rough paraphrase. Um, some company out there holds a patent that says this process, you know how to do by hand. If you do it on a computer, we own the rights to that. And, uh, you know, and basically it's one of those, it doesn't, it, it, it breaks the BS meter. And so the judge goes, Hey, this breaks the BS meter, no patent for you. Uh, new egg wins. And they kind of, um, they dropped the course. Um, let's see here. New egg fought a non-practicing entity, which dropped its case against new egg before discovery was complete, which tells you pretty much everything you need to know. New egg asked for attorney's fees. Uh, the court said no, but the appeals court said, wait a minute. They can ask for attorney's fees. So it turns out they really did win after all. Yay. New egg. Yeah. So essentially 
they they this company said they owned the shopping cart. The idea of putting someplace somewhere temporarily so that you can come back later wow. for it. They own that. Yeah. Uh, that's what? That's a nice giant line of BS <laughs> in my book. But yeah, so I, that's why I said this process that exists in the real world, all of a sudden if you do it on a computer and say it's possible. They just say, hey, it's possible to do this on a computer. You know, I mean, somewhere somebody said, hey, it'll be possible to make a 3D object with a printer. Let's patent that. And that that's the patent out there that somebody's dusting off to sue once a 3D printer model becomes successful. And as I've said about this many times, I'm not even mad about the patent troll about this. They're just enterprising business people trying to make a buck. I'm mad at the U.S. Patent Office for giving right. out these stupid patents in the first place. You created this problem, U.S. government, not the patent trolls. Yes, we like to vilify them because, frankly, they deserve it. They're the bullies on the schoolyard, and they deserve to be punched in the nose. But they're also chasing true laws and, and legal. Uh, they have legal precedent, and they're it's winning. Broken. Because the U.S. Patent Office will just yep. slap a slap a patent on anything. And that's Maybe someday we'll be in a way that will work. Yeah, and and who are the people? Yeah, who are the people who don't know how the patent systems work? The inventors who invent stuff. The lawyers. Who are the people who do know how the patent system works? The lawyers who get paid anyway. So, you know, I mean, lawyers have their place and they're needed to keep people to keep the system honest. But you know. It takes other lawyers, apparently, to keep those lawyers honest. I, I would say there's another group of people that don't know yeah, how patents work, and those those are the quirks in the U.S. Patent Office. Clearly, they yeah. have no idea how the actual patent process works. <laughs> oh, and people in Marshall, Zing. Texas. So. <laughs> uh, I'm a Texan good, from East Texas. <laughs> I had a good transition, but we moved out of it. Uh, Android malware oh sprouting like weeds. Oh, my yeah. God. The sky is falling. Yeah, I found this, um, I found this article on Linux Insider and it's a security company. And of course, a security company has no reason for existing unless there are security threats out there. And we know they're out there, but they want to remind us uh, of their value. And so they came out with this report and this report suggests that Android devices are becoming a bigger target for the bad guys and more profitable than in previous years. Uh, the numbers of new, new, malware samples in the first quarter increased by 6.4%, but he gave a number, so it's not just a percentage, 440,000 plus from the fourth quarter of last year when it was only 413,000 plus. Uh, the number of malware strands rose by 21%. Again, he provides a number, so it's not just randomness, over 300,000. And more than 2 million new Android malware strands are likely to surface this year the company predicted but they're so, what they're not showing you because they can't is number yep. of infected devices this is the number of possible infections that's not the same as number of infected devices uh the fact is it's really hard to get a, a machine you've got to go through several different steps of of uh enabling third-party sources and and checking the box that says no i want to and then going to another place and then downloading it and then opening it and then clicking the button that allows permissions that are listed out this app has permissions for this this app has permissions for this there are lots of human step stop gaps along the way the problem is not software the problem is wetware yep which is where the problem always lives the problem is always the wetware 
the the hardware is never usually the hardware is usually never at fault it's the person pushing the buttons yeah and you know and they don't say where these come from i'm sure the overwhelming majority are third party app stores that are out there but again they they didn't provide numbers for that because again let's face it you know the um the alarmists they want you to think the sky is falling so you'll buy their concrete underground bunker and so i'm sure that the fear-mongering plays a part in there but again you know there's no device that can protect you from your own stupidity um that device hasn't been invented yet because we keep upgrading people's stupidity apparently so um (laughs) yeah so you know be careful use your brain um for something other than to keep your skull from falling down out of your mouth Uh, i don't know yeah i mean computer uh software engineers are rapidly trying to make things idiot proof but unfortunately mother nature is better at making idiots than we are making idiot proof Um, yep and it's one of the things I say all the time is I hate stupid people. I hate worse when I'm stupid people. I fully recognize mm-hmm. that some there are times throughout the day when I'm the idiot, right? And and I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not above anyone else in that category. I try to keep my idiocy to to contained areas, but it doesn't always work that way. But it's, my point is that it it's really hard to get your phone infected. Um, it takes a number of steps, uh, and but yet. It still happens all the time too. Yeah, it's not like a a, a Windows uh, machine where you can literally get infected by receiving a message. Oh wait, yes it is because well you don't have it here in your story, uh, but there was a there was a virus that you could infect an Android machine just by receiving a text message. Oops, all that stuff I said about it being really hard. Never mind that. <laughs> well, yeah. the same thing it did have to be a multimedia text the same message boat. though. You were both talking at the same time. Seth, you go first. Okay, I was going to say the um, the text message for the Android, it had to be a multimedia. So right. if you turned off the data where, like my phone, I keep the uh, data turned off. So if I get it, you know, I just I pop it open occasionally. So if I get a multimedia text message, I have to enable data to download it. So at least I have the chance to say, uh, I don't know that person. I don't know that number, so I'm not going to download it. Yeah, you're not a tinfoil hat. You're just a cheap SOB. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have the limited plan on my phone. So, Chris, you were saying? I was going to say the same thing would hold true for the iPhone, too, though. It's very hard to infect them, but there's still exploits out there. Yeah, it's it's when you when you couple that with the discussion we had about how much information is on your phone, I mean, so much information is on my phone. Um that it's if scary. people could figure out how to root around in there, yeah, it's it really is truly frightening. I mean, I, I keep things siloed from myself. Like, for example, I make myself enter my password every time I go into LastPass because I don't trust the system well enough to leave it logged in all the time. You know, things like that. Um, but, you know, the, the fact is, it's all in this one little box. And if somebody can figure out how to get into this box, they can get into your life. That's That's frightening. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, uh, uh, Charlie Miller showed that he could get into your Jeep. Yes, your Jeep while you're driving via Wi-Fi from his couch. Um, scary. Impressive. Yeah, this was a, yeah, it was a very impressive story. Um, you know, uh, he, uh, they remotely took over a Jeep Cherokee. They ran its controls, um, and then cut its transmission 
as has it sped at 70 miles an hour down the interstate um, in an experiment. They did things such as they turned on the air conditioning, they switched the radio channels, turned on the windshield wipers, uh, the windshield washer fluid pump, transmitted a photo of themselves to the vehicle's digital display, all from a laptop 10 miles away. And um, it's a thing in the Chrysler system that basically if you have a car from the last two years or so, it's the Uconnect infotainment hmm. system. You are susceptible to this. Uh, they say that Chrysler has been very receptive in working with them. And of course this came out because they're presenting uh, on it at the black hat, which is going on now in Vegas. God, so, you know, it's very scary out there. They make a thing um, delivering a highly connected car that OEMs know kids could hack. Uh, could land them in litigation hell, depending on who was killed and where in the nation the accident happened. Uh, again, that's kind of a worst case scenario, but there's been several stories out where, you know, this kid, we, I, the last, um, in June, we did the story of this like teenager who spent like $20, uh, I, I think it was either off, like off Amazon and made a device that let him get in a machine exploiting, um, the electronics in it. You know, we're not even talking, you know, low jacking or anything just right. you know poof i've hacked your car um all your car are belong to us and and i don't know if the jeep cherokee is one of those but lots of cars right now have the ability to drive by wire yep. right you can push a button in a parallel park um or in the case of uh, accident vo- avoidance the the lidar can actually turn the car and you can so that means that steering control and braking control and accelerator control are all by wire Oof. So just because the, all they did was put a picture of themselves on the display doesn't mean that they couldn't literally drive your car. To some extent. Right. It, it, it may just, you know, all it takes is turning right at the right time to kill somebody. Yeah, or everything is power steering. You know, if you if you cut power, all of a sudden that thing you can turn with two fingers you you know you've got to like man up grab and yank with all your might to get something to turn so if like if somebody wanted to cut the power when this when you're starting to turn at 70 miles an hour because everybody we know everybody slows down to the warning signs going around curves you it, it could be you know you again that's a worst case scenario don't turn your car off and start walking but that kind of it it Unfortunately, that could happen. Right. And the thing is that the it takes an exploit for for Jeep, Chrysler, GMC, any of these guys to to fix it. They didn't look at this beforehand. During the process of making it, the guy who asked, hey, guys, could we maybe make this a little safer? He's now on LinkedIn yep. looking for a job because they were all looking about we got the 2015 models coming out we've got to get this feature in the car we've already made commercials about it um yeah but you could probably take this over with a laptop and a and, a, and maybe even just a, a a raspberry pi you're fired get out <laughs> the problem is not with the technology but with the business and and you know what was it the Pinto, I think it was. There was a certain car years ago where the company decided it was cheaper to pay off lawsuits than to recall yeah. and repair the vehicles. This kind of math goes on all the time, and and we blame the technology. It's not the technology; it's the wetware. Yes, Ford has this feature. We have to have all the features they have, plus at least one more, because otherwise they announce seventeen features. We have to announce eighteen. 
If we don't, you're fired. And if you say these features are bad, you're fired. And just to show people I'm serious, you know, new guy, you're fired. Just a preemptive firing, you know. But no, Seth, that would never happen. Okay. But, and I'm to blame. I personally am to blame because of my spreadsheets. When I go to buy a car, I build a spreadsheet that lists the features. And I look at it and say, this one has one more feature than that one. And I actually make buying decisions based on features. And I'm the problem. And I'm not alone. That's the issue. Yeah. All right. I was hoping we would lead into something better, but that didn't happen. We're out of practice. Uh, <laughs> um, the next link is about gaming. Go. Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, there is, um, you know, we've covered the, yeah. Oh yeah. Is it? Oh yeah. I can't remember how we ever agreed. Oh yeah. That thing. Oh yeah. Like okay. The way well, Marine would say it. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but I thought it was French and so they would oh, say, Oh, we went there. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I had to. It's contractually <laughs> obligated. Um, but yeah, so they've been bought by a company who wants to take the Ouya and make it part of their, um, stable. And then also there was a Steam account vulnerability, um, where the, the account recovery process could have been exploited. So someone could have taken control of your account that way. They say their passwords that no user passwords were exposed. But, you know, um, and they always say you can use Steam Guard to use two-factor authentication, but it would probably be a good idea to change your password. And a game I have heard a lot about, and I've downloaded it, but I've never actually played it. The Battle of um, Westnoth. They need your help. So if you are a programmer of C++ or Python uh, or WML coder, their code base is kind of old. You can go to Westnoth. Um, dot org and check them out and help a great I hear it's like civilization level but of course it's totally open source and free for anybody to play Um, and like I say I've downloaded it unfortunately I've never played it so it's yeah, probably just, well, that's I've... why you got fired Seth. <laughs> you were playing yeah. games you were playing Battle of yeah. Westnoth in your well, cube all day long darn it <laughs> some of the, my coworkers used to listen <laughs> so um, so speaking of gaming news, um, we are in the, in the works and it's entirely my fault that it hasn't happened yet, but, uh, our, our friends over at the, uh, Linux Gamecast, um, have agreed, some Sweet. of them, if not all of them have agreed to come on this show and school oh. us about Linux, uh, gaming. And they were going to do it in July. And I said, no, we're taking July off. So probably in August, we're going to get, uh, some of those guys on and we're going to, we're going to let Chris run the show because I <laughs> don't know about games. Frankly, don't care about games. That's why that's, this podcast isn't called the Linux Gamecast. But fortunately, there is a Linux Gamecast. That'd be fun. And I'm looking forward to having those guys on. Cool. Um, so this last thing, Seth, you put in there, I want to talk about just because I love marketing, um, BS. Um, the sky is falling because oh people aren't upgrading their iPads. Yes, um, <laughs> this, uh, I, I didn't come across this on Mac rumors because honestly, I feel a little <laughs> dirty for reading something <laughs> off of Mac rumors. 
<laughs> but um, apparently, uh, apparently, in one sense, it's okay because the iPad is still the largest. Apple is the largest vendor in a declining tablet market, shipping 10.9 million iPads in the second quarter of 2015, down from 13.3 in the um, corresponding quarter from 2014. So year over year, they're down 17.9%. Ah, the sky is falling. So, but I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, they've the same thing happened to the desktop market, right? And then the same thing happened to the laptop market. And so now here's it's the thing: to the tablet market, Let yeah, me cut through the marketing BS. One. Everybody who has it, who wants a tablet, yep. has a tablet. Yep, that's what this says. It's not a problem unless your business is making tablets. Um, yep. And the the thing is, they're good, right? You can buy a a, a good tablet from Apple or from another company that's going to last you three, five, six, seven years. You don't really have to upgrade them. Uh, I, I have the original Apple One iPad, the the, the first one. Um, don't panic. I didn't buy it. I won it in a lottery type thing. They pulled my number out of that. Like Seth, I felt dirty picking it up. I was like, I can't believe I'm getting an iPad. There's sycophants all around the room who will literally injure me if they thought they could get that iPad because it was the, like the first couple of weeks it was out. Um, and I got it and went, eh, all right. Um, but anyway, the, they've stopped updating it. Mm-hmm. Why? So I'll buy a new one. There's nothing wrong with it. It's still a great device. Every bit as good today as it was, what was that, six years ago? Um, they, oh, wow, they, yeah. they haven't updated the YouTube app. YouTube no longer works in it. When you go to YouTube, it says it doesn't work. Why? So I'll buy a new tablet. Can you not but, pull up a browser and go to absolutely. YouTube.com? Okay. Absolutely, I can. And I do. Um, cause that's pretty much what we use that tablet for. My kids watch YouTube on it. And so when the YouTube app stopped working, <laughs> there was panic in the house. And I, t- I hit, tapped the Safari button, typed in m.youtube.com and said, here you go. Well, as long as it works. And now they're make, still using it. You make a shortcut to it on the, like one of the pages. I didn't even go that far because they never leave that page. That's the one thing that my tablet is used for. Um, my kids all have their own tablets, uh, but they're seven inch. And they like the 10-inch iPad. But the, my, my point here is that you've built too good a product, Apple. Uh, even the cheap little, I don't know, $79, I think, tablets I bought for my kids for Christmas a year ago. Here it is the middle of summer, or the end of summer, actually. They're fine. They're yeah. still working. Two of them have cracked screens, but they work just fine anyway. Everybody who wants a tablet has a tablet. That's why the market numbers are declining. Yeah, I bought a $40 7-inch Windows 8 tablet just to look at it and play around with it and i was like eh i have a i have my windows tablet so i gave it to somebody i was like hey how would you like that you have a you have two children but only one iphone here how about a tablet my my daughter um wants a phone she wants a five inch iphone instead of her eight inch tablet because everybody else quote unquote everybody else she knows has a phone Right. Uh, so, so what can you do on the phone that you can't do on a tablet? Make calls? Well, that's not true. I've got the Hangout Dialer. You can make phone calls all you want. Um, um, <laughs> put it in my pocket. <laughs> so that's sure. that's the answer. Basically, it's everybody else has one, so she wants one. That that's the thing. There's such parity now. Pick a device. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, the cheap, uh, free phone that they gave you when you bought your uh, pay by the month Cricket phone service. Is a darn fine phone. 
You know, the cheap tablets that you buy straight out of China for 50 bucks is a darn fine tablet. We've reached that point where they're all good enough and there's just no crushing need to upgrade for anything. Uh, so this is, this is going to be hard times for Apple who have built their entire brand over the last 10 years on tablets and, and phones. Yep. And now everybody has a tablet or a phone. And so they're having so to convince what? people to, to go buy new ones. And Apple still has some of that secret sauce, not as much as they used to, but they could still make people stand in line, but not as much. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's going to be dark times for the hardware for Apple. Hardware's Apple devices, I think, is going to be dark for a while. Because I don't see, I don't see any way of them breaking the mold. I mean, they, they were, they followed suit with the iWatch. You know, they, it, they didn't do anything breathtaking with that. The, all the iterations of hardware have just been, it's now just a little bit better. So go buy it or it's a little bit bigger or has more space, but there's no market changing device in the future for Apple. I don't see. Yeah. The, the one plus two comes out next week by the next time we meet, I think, uh, August 11th. No. Um, uh, yeah. By the next time we release a show. Uh, that that phone will be out. They've you know you're already there. They've announced it. They did the thing. I actually heard this conversation in my office uh, a couple of weeks ago. Hey, the One Plus Two is out. Great. Uh, that means they'll drop the fi- price on the One Plus One. Now nobody yep. cares about the new phone because the old phone is still great. We're just hoping for a price drop on it. Yeah. Buy. Uh, you know, it's just going to be. I need an. Well, you know, they're going to go. They're going to set artificial things in the software to not update to certain yeah, models. Exactly. I mean, you know, that that's the only reason the iPhone 3 compared to the iPhone, you know, you know, heroin crack is <laughs> is junk, but for everything you need, it's a great phone, but all of a sudden Apple doesn't support it anymore uh, and you know, you're not supposed to be able to root them blah blah blah, so they're worthless. Right. Um but yet the specs in it are still really good. The Linus ghost in the chat room wrote the word Toyota. It's, it's very mysterious. <laughs> I don't know what that's about or in reference to. I, I'm going to guess it was the wrong window. <laughs> How many times have you guys ever done that? Type something into the wrong window. I do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have occasionally typed things to my wife that were not for general consumption into public windows. I will admit to <laughs> having done that. Um, but yeah, Toyota, that's the mystery. It's like the Sphinx from, from Mystery Men. So yep. We just threw the word Toyota out there. It's just letting it hang in the air. We don't know what it means. And, and now China, we're going to get a, a mountain. Yep, we're going to have a mountain of just strange words popped into the chat room. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, there's no more news. We've done the ad. Oh, this week in history, the show returned. No. Uh, what happened, Seth, this week in computer history? Okay. August the 3rd. So this will actually be tomorrow from the recording. Toyota. The Tandy Corporation announces the TRS-80, one of the world's first mass-produced successfully marketed personal computers freaking fantastic device in its day keep your amigas i grew up on a trs-80 and was darn happy about it seriously it was a great device yep with uh you had the uh cassette player to do the thing um 
Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was pretty cool. You could put a ROM. That's not what they called it in the day. It was a cartridge. But now yep. we know them as ROMs. So you could put one of those in to play a game, or you could load up the... the 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 piano deck right the with the keys and and the it was just a regular tape player with a headphone jack what was special about it was the 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 eighth inch to eighth inch cable you know in the yep. day nobody had those it was spe- you had to go to the computer store to get one of those cables um and on mine anyway the even though you plugged in the headphones the sound still came out the speaker so you'd push hmm. play it and go it sounded like a fax machine and you'd go and make a sandwich, <laughs> eat your sandwich, go out and play for a while, take a swim, go buy some new school clothes and come back, and then your game was ready to play. Um, if you were lucky. Stuff. And it, it didn't crash between. <laughs> I don't I don't know that that machine ever crashed on me. Well, really, it did once because, Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I... You know, there were the, the little prongs in there where the, where the cartridge would go. If you open that little door up, you could see the prongs being the enterprising young nine or ten year old that i was i thought well if that cartridge is programming the machine by touching pins if i get a paper clip and touch pins i can program the computer <laughs> whoops did i tell you i had two trs80s growing up <laughs> <laughs> that explains that one <laughs> um fun times were had by all it was a learning experience um i watched war games in what what 1984 whenever it was and was convinced that i could just sit at my computer and type random things and that was code breaking that if i type the right (laughs) random thing some system would open up and i could play thermonuclear war so i did that for hours (laughs) on end just type (laughs) things and hit enter then type something else and hit enter I forgot the whole part about the modem and the phone cradle. No, I just uh, I thought if I type long enough, some computer's going to answer me. And you were so one much. string away from activating the uh, prototype <laughs> Wi-Fi. Right. You almost had it, Mark. Yeah, we, it's pro- it's true. You you're there. You're just one character off. Should have had a space in a period. <laughs> You've been good. And I still do those sort of things today. Just randomly try things to see what happens that that was just the early days of it i don't stick paper clips in in computers very often anymore uh, although there <laughs> are certain things where that is the fix that's to, true to bypass yes. stuff with and i'm not talking just your manual cd tray ejector um there are certain things where the way you fix it is you paper clip and you short out certain things on certain model computers so yep it, it's still there and that just drives me crazy whenever I see that. Short these pins. Yes. Really? It's 2015. Well, Why are we shorting to, pins? Remember having to move jumpers to tell your machine how fast your processor was? Because it was too dumb yes. to know how right. fast your processor or, or how much memory you had. You, you move this pin for here to put four megs of RAM in. Yeah, megs. Yes, I did say four megs of RAM. Uh, because the machine <laughs> couldn't read and couldn't ask the, the RAM, hey, how much you got there? You had to tell it. Yep. And, and you couldn't you put the max the amount yep. and then put a lesser in because it right. couldn't understand. Exactly. So, yeah. Then you had the goo of in pairs because the of the parody thing. You couldn't put one stick of RAM in. Kids today, they don't know. Gosh. <laughs> Get off my lawn. The funny thing is computers today are just, they're just black boxes. Yep. Um, I, I don't. I don't work on my own machines anymore, my laptops, whatever. When they when they need significant 
repairs, I toss them and get another one. It's a disposable world. And I'm, I'm, it doesn't bother me, really. It's just that, I mean, cars are like that. Who can work on a car anymore? Um, you got to take it to the dealership and they got to plug a yep. computer up or you're going to go buy something that can plug into your smartphone. It's just the, the way things progress. But people will never again, it's both good and bad, will never again short pins on a motherboard uh, because most people will never actually see the motherboard because they won't open the case. Yeah, there's and no my case has um, been FRUs anymore. <laughs> field replaceable units. Yes. Or, um, yes. You know, the, the For- computer is the field replaceable unit. Yeah, you just toss the whole thing. So yeah, the TRS eighty man. Um, the there was the big corporate model that had the floppy disks, um, and the big tube. It was in a housing, and then there was the home model that you plugged up to your TV. Um, I'm guessing it was probably the big one in 1977, or maybe even didn't even have a monitor for going back to 1977. The TRS eighty was there were lots of different models of that for a long time. Right. Uh, but yeah, they were the guy. The, the Tandy. Was they made computers? There was IBM yeah. for the for the corporate market, and there was Tandy for everyone else. Um, how now things have changed? And now look at them. There, there, yeah. There's no such thing as a Tandy. Yeah, they they, yeah. they merged with Radio Shack, and then they just became the Shack, and now they're the and then sh- they're gone. You know, I don't know. It's Sprint. I think bought most of their assets in bankruptcy. Right. But yeah, Tandy was actually a leather company yep. that purchased Radio Shack because that made good sense for a leather company to run an electronics store. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the do-it-yourself ethos, right? Radio Shack was originally that's what it was. It was the yep. the ham shack. You go in and you you buy two tubes and a resistor, and you go back and you stick them in your in your thing. And so, yeah, my my wife's dad worked for tandy way back doing leather stuff right and he was he was a robotics engineer that was what he did for a living uh so those two things did go together it was the whole the maker movement and we're losing that and i lament the fact that the maker movement is now you know a fair you go to once a year people don't make their own stuff anymore uh and you know the the problem is we're going to lose that knowledge um and we yep it's just going to go i mean nobody knows how to how many blacksmiths are there in the world now? You know, hundreds at the most. I, I doubt lucky. there are thousands. Um, that's an art that's gone. You know, do we not have horseshoes anymore? Of course we have horseshoes. They're factory produced. They're cranked out. And they're better than, than anything that a, a blacksmith would have made 100 years ago. But we've lost that knowledge. We've institutionalized mm-hmm. that knowledge. That's a, I see that as a bad thing. It's also an unmistakable, unavoidable aspect of progress. Yep. A sad thing in a in a thing that's going to happen, you know that. Not to bring back up another book, but the Lost Fre- Fleet series, guys. Yeah, excellent. Yes, excellent. I, I just started that one. Loved it. Yeah, I I blew through the Lost Fleet and then Beyond the Frontier, the next one, uh, where it just stopped. Literally mid sentence, the series stopped. Presumably, there's really? going to be another book, but yeah. Spoiler Nothing alert: yet. fourteen books from now, it's just going to stop <laughs> in the middle of a sentence. I, I no, just I didn't care for um for the beyond the frontier portion. It just it it didn't tickle my fancy. Didn't have enough bombs and, and buckshot or anything, right? Yeah, well I mean, you know, I I don't know. It just it I loved the, the Lost Fleet, but um no, it just it wasn't for me. The follow up. Right. 
before we move on to the third hour of the show, <laughs> let me go ahead and wrap this up. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging with us. Uh, thanks for, for still being uh, subscribed to the feed, I assume. I hope that when I come out, when I when I release this, people will actually download it. I did get a couple of pieces of email saying, hey, I'm going through withdrawal here. Others saying, I'm using this time to go through the back catalog. And I thought, oh, I'm so sorry I forced that on you. <laughs> um, we owe it to our listeners to produce new content so they don't have to go back and listen to episode one. Uh, it's our it's our duty to protect them from episode one. I, I would say we should almost strike episodes one through ten almost off the record because those were you know they were rough they were very very rough but it shows progress. As as a historian, I'm never fond of of making things go away. Um, wow, but yeah, it's. I, I think I think at some point, seriously, probably we're, we're looking at probably doing a major website revamp in the near future. And what I will likely do is archive, just wrap them up in a tarball, um, you know, everything from like episode 150 back uh, and not put it in the feed because the feed's getting pretty massive right, right now and still make it available, just not in the feed. Well, that'd make people happy who whoever get those where the feed resets on them. That oh that drives me crazy when that happens. Yeah, Rick is saying in the chat room the show started at episode four. It really didn't. We revamped at episode four. But you go back, you type in elementopi.com slash edl slash one. There's episode one there. Yep. Uh, it just was a very different show. Well, in our, this show has gone through a huge amount of overtakings in the in the last couple of years. We've twisted it a couple of different times. So, but I'm I like it. It's good. Yeah, so Rick is saying that this show, in this iteration, started episode four, because that's when Seth showed up and when the command line Godfather was born. Uh, yeah. Anybody remember Aaron? Ah, uh, Aaron. A moment of silence for Aaron. Yes. The departed. All right, thanks for being with us. Uh, this is where the part of the show where I tell you how you can get involved in the show. Go to elementopi.com. Um, uh, use the feedback button, the, the contact us button at the top of the page. Send us a comment. Uh, send us an email, edl at elementopi.com. Call us, 559-IMOP. That's our Google voice number. Leave us a message there. Or if you just want to throw wads of cash at us, we've got Patreon. We've got a tip jar. We've got, we even accept Bitcoin these days. Um, every dollar uh, goes directly into my bank account. No, directly into the show in some way or another. I give uh, I give uh, Seth a chunk of it. I give Chris a, Chris a chunk of it. I put most of it. Uh, back into the show in terms of new hardware, that sort of thing. And then I spend a little bit here and there. Uh, but I do appreciate uh, every penny that comes in. Don't think I don't. I try to, every time I get a new subscriber or a new something, I write a personal note of thank you. If I didn't do that to you, I apologize. Uh, I owe you that uh, because each one of you are important to me. I know that's a hack thing to say, but it's true. Every one of our listeners is important to me because you are literally so we'd like to hear from you. We appreciate uh, when you show up live in the chat room as uh, the Linux Ghost and Rick did tonight and uh, Swift 110 and uh, Tony SMLR. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And uh, if you'd like to do that, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If you send me that, so love to have you. For now, however, I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. 